Hi, this is Andy Fiedler Sutton and Jen Morris, and you're listening to episode three of Stage Set. With us today is writer, director, Actor, all-around good guy. Renaissance man. Renaissance man. Pete Bakley. Pete, I've known you since, what, 1993? Yes, since we were back at Park College together. Back when it was still Park College. That's right. <laughs> My diploma says Park College. My very burnt b- diploma says Park College. <laughs> but anyway, um, so today we are talking with Pete Bakley because he's a great guy and a great theater person. He was Casey Stage's, was it November? Yes. Spotlight? Poster boy. Yes. <laughs> Cover boy. Cover boy. Cover boy. <laughs> so Pete, as you may or may not know, Stage Savvy's just kind of a lot like Casey Stage. He's an, It's kind of an addendum to Casey Stage, but it's also kind of my own thing. It's kind of just theater for dummies without the copyright infringement is my tagline, and just kind of go into the nuts and bolts of but, what theater is. So absolutely. Go, uh, let's start out with a simple one. Uh, well, a simple one. Uh, a, a simple question of uh, why you do theater. Why theater? You do theater, too. Oh. Why does it matter to you? <laughs> a simple question. A simple eh? question. <laughs> Why do you do theater? I mean, there's about a thousand reasons that people do theater. And, and, you know, you go from the good ones to the bad ones. I've done theater since I was 12. And I've always wanted to do it since I was before that age. And it is just something where I feel relaxed and full of joy. It is a way for me to entertain people and in, in a simple way which doesn't involve me just you know harassing strangers on the street so that's part not of that it. you don't do that too <laughs> yeah, i do that too and yes that it is and that's the, of course the bad side of it too is that it's sort of a compulsion to have to you know go out there and try to make people laugh all the time I and mean, you know sometimes it's bad but i do theater because i think it's a valid art form i like the fact that you are right up next to the audience, and it really is a collaboration between you and the people that you are performing in front of. And theater is just wonderful that way. Film is not nearly as much fun. Have you been in film? I have been in film. I've been. Uh, I, I've done film projects for people, of course, and I've done a couple of industrial films back in the day. I was even an extra, and I had four words in a made-for-TV movie, a miniseries, a Murder Ordained. Now the all-important question, do you have an IMDb listing? Yes, I do. <laughs> I put it there myself, but nobody questioned it. <laughs> and it's still there. Yeah, my one time of being on film, I was an extra for Shadow Falls, the second series, which ended up being turned into a movie. I was a zombie. Oh, all right. Uh, with Rich, and he actually got to do some of the makeup. I have yet to see my performance because I'm still waiting for the DVD, but... <laughs> That'll happen, yes. So... Do you have a preference in terms of writing versus directing versus acting? Well, and that's the thing, too. It's hard to do that. Uh, I mean, for just down and dirty easy, I just love acting. I always have. However, there's more to it than that. And so, I mean, I basically, I got into the writing part of it so that I would be, you know, so that I would write stuff for me to do as an actor. But more and more, as I'm getting away from it, it's a way to, it's a way to better express 
and be a little more in control of the whole creative and the process of entertainment, of entertaining people. And this is kind of a thing, too, as I always think of it as entertainment as opposed to, I mean, I call it my art, but the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, what you are doing is you're dealing with an audience. You are trying to make an audience happy or moved or whatever. And so that's my whole point on the, on the thing. So I, I, I like all of it. Directing is just basically keeping an eye on the whole thing. I'd have to say that's down on the list. Very interesting. I, I like that you have so many different things that you want to do. How, what was your first writing experience? How, how soon did you start writing? Well, um, my, first, my first writing experience really took place in the 80s after I'd been a working actor for a while. And I'd been at rep and I was going around trying to find projects in town. You're always desperately trying to figure out things to do. There's a lot of stuff going on, but if you don't get something or you, you know, then you, you end up a lot of times getting something you don't want, it doesn't work out. But I got a call from a, a friend of mine who was doing a radio show, oddly enough, at KKFI. And he had, he had done this. And I, when I got there, but it was a scripted half an hour comedy show. And there were like five scripts that we had there. And we performed them. I was brought in as a performer, put them together. And after the five scripts were done, we have the one guy who's just desperately churning out scripts. And I thought he was a little overworked. And I thought I could do better. And so I just started turning out scripts, too. And that was a major turnaround because that was a case where you, you put something out and then it would actually go on the air the next week. And so it got to be that he and I and the other people, there were four people on the show, started all churning out scripts. But he and I did the most work and wanted to do that. And we got competitive. We both got better because of that, too. So that's my first experience of writing there. And, and, and I was very lucky that I was able to get it produced. But that's the whole point, too, is that when you're writing, you have to think, okay, I'm going to write something because I'm planning on seeing it on stage sometime. I, I hate that whole idea of writing in a vacuum. I'm going to write stuff, send it out into the world, and maybe somebody will do it, maybe somebody won't. And that's, nah, you gotta, you got to write with the idea of doing it in mind. And for those of you listening, if you hear an odd uh, ah sound, Jen, you want to introduce our mascot? Yes, my son Finn is here with us, and Pete is entertaining him over him the whole time. Hi. I've seen him smile, so he <laughs> might giggle a time or two. So it's not you're not going crazy or crazier, as the case may be. You are hearing that. So there, there's Finn. Hi, Finn. Uh, gotta know what that one is. <laughs> So, uh, Pete, you are almost done getting your master's in playwriting, right? That's exactly right. I'm at, at UMKC. At UMKC. How did that come about? What made you go, I want to go for my master's? Okay, well, I actually have wanted to for many years. I have a period of time in my life which I call the dark days. And actually, that's when I met you, so don't feel too bad about that. <laughs> but I had been an actor, a working actor in Kansas City, and I just got, I, my son was born in 1986, I desperately needed to, you know, to have a job because when you have them kids, you, you've got to raise them, you know. Yeah. <laughs> just, I, I felt that, you know, a, a parent should be working. So I went ahead and I had had a series of crummy jobs and I finished my degree at Park University, not in theater, in uh, radio and television. I uh, got a job working for a major electronics corporation and for 16 years I did almost no theater with one exception. I worked at Park University. I became friends with Marsha Morgan. It was a wonderful place because there was also some burnout that I was feeling at the time from working in Kansas City and that, the whole theater scene. And Marsha has a very, very easygoing, wonderful place to work. 
and worked with a lot of variety of people. And we did some good shows and we did some bad shows. But we did a lot and it was always a delight doing that. After that, though, recently, after 16, 16 years with the company, I was offered early retirement. They were closing the office where I was working. And I was so glad to get away, so I took the money, the retirement money, and went back to school. And I'm getting my master's in playwriting. And I chose playwriting because, though out of the choices, it was, it was the best. And I'm really glad that I did because I got a good experience working with a, a few particular uh, people, particularly Frank Higgins, a local playwright who's, doing, who's got a national reputation, and he's my teacher, and a good, good guy, and just a laser eye for cutting excess out of scripts so but that's how I got back into uh, got back into school it's a two-year program and I am working on my master's thesis which is a play that has to be backed up like a master's thesis and that is being written right now and will be performed this summer at the Fringe Festival awesome now I know you also had a play appear in the uh, Barn Players Six by Ten, which is why you ended up being our spotlight for that month. Right. Is have you had any other of the plays that you've been writing during your this time produced yet? No, I've had a few other there, but those you know, oddly those opportunities don't come up as often as they want. So uh, in order to get better on that sort of thing, I'm getting into production. Of plays, I'm actually just going to take the reins and go ahead and produce some of my own scripts. Although for my first script that I'm producing, I'm producing somebody else's, <laughs> and that's because it was really nice, and I was afraid that it would just disappear. It might not have, but I just really wanted to. And plus, there's a very good part for me in it. And so, <laughs> yeah, see, and again, that's that's Be- benefits of being <laughs> a producer. Yeah, and so, but the the thing was is that we went ahead, and I just I talked to. It'll be produced at the Fish Tank. It's called Premortem. It's by Joseph Concha, who is another grad student at UMKC, and. The script just got me. It's about a woman who's getting ready to publish her first novel. She uh, has been making her living writing uh, eulogies for people who didn't know how to say that. She's got a, she's doing that, but she's getting out of it. She is contacted by a man who wants her to write a eulogy for him, and she's never written for somebody that she's actually had to meet. She's always been contracted by the, by the bereaved. And he demands that she follow him around for weeks, and he just kind of comes in and takes over her life and changes her plans. And I'll just say the play got me, and so I wanted to get that done. So in April at the Fish Tank, we'll be doing Premortem by Joseph Concha. Awesome, and we'll link to the Fish Tank, and if they have anything specific about that, on our show notes for anyone who is wanting more information. Jen, you have any questions? Well, I was going to branch off earlier. You talked about getting burned out on Kansas City Theater. Do you feel that, I mean, part of this transition is getting your master's and right. having that opportunity now that you've uh, right. been retired. Are you finding every aspect refreshing as far as acting as well? Well, yes, and it is, too. And Of course, I'm coming at it from a whole different point in my life which makes a big difference is that, you know, I'm not so desperate now to have to do it. But when I was in before, I was just an actor. And I don't want to say just an actor. I, I, I think out of all the things that you do in the theater, actor is probably the first or the most difficult job. And it gets a bad reputation as being just fun and it's easy. As a matter of fact, when it comes to paying actors, they have a strong tendency to go, oh, no, no, you should be doing this for free because it's fun. 
And the fact of the matter is, is that it is the most difficult thing. You've got to go essentially naked out on stage with somebody else's ideas that, you know, and you're being pulled and pushed back and forth. And you've got to stand in front of that crowd and you've got to do it. And that's what makes it the difficult thing. You're the one who has to face down the audience every night as an act. But for acting, there's just a limited amount of jobs in this town. And you're always wheedling and dealing and you end up taking stuff that you don't want and you don't uh, do for it. This time, it's a much better thing, but I'm taking from the idea that, you know, what I do is going to be mine. And, you know, it's going to be something that I'm involved in, I'll produce it, I'll act for other people if they ask me, but it's still, it's mine. I'll do, I'll do what I'd like to do, and I'll do what I think is right. And that's, that's good. Do you have any tips for anybody who um, wants to be actor, writer, director, any of those above, or what would you tell yourself... <laughs> if you could meet yourself when you were first starting out as to lessons learned. One big thing that I would have told myself back then, if I'd known what I'd known now, is not to quit. And not to take yourself out of it and not to get frustrated with it. I would have done about as well either way, even monetarily. Because the fact is is that you you earn what you do what you need to do and you earn what you, you need to earn and you think, Oh, I'll never ever make any money at this and you might not, but just getting a plain job and not doing it is much, much worse. You, you end up just working to keep yourself going, and if you don't have the art in your life, you go crazy. So, wow, that was a little more confessional than I expected. <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm saying is that, yeah, is don't worry about it, and really find your instincts to learn to trust them. And the fact that if, if you know what you want and you know what you're doing, you're going to hear a thousand different ideas outside of your head. You just be able to, to keep your line straight and focused. And trust it. Know that it'll happen. Any final questions from you, Jen? I would say, what is your favorite part of being with Kansas City and working in this, this town? Well, and this is one of the great things about Kansas City. I mean, it's a big plus, and in some ways it's a minus, is that it really is a small community. And the minus of it is that it sees itself as a small community because there are things being done on stages in Kansas City that are good as anywhere, that are as good as Broadway. And, you know, and people out there going, oh, what's he talking about? No, it's true. If you go outside, the thing, I see performances here that have just whooped me. The plus side, though, is that it really is a small community, and you know, you get it's not business driven, even on the professional side. So it is. Turned out of an amazing thing. I was at the last summer at the Fringe Festival. I was waiting in line to see a show, and I ran into 40 different people that I've known from over the last 40 years, mm -hmm. and just from different points in my life. And they were all there, and they were all intermingling, and all degrees of professional and amateur and all that. It was one nice, homunculus group. It was wonderful. Any final notes, Pete, before we wrap this section up? Definitely the fish tank and the Summer at the Fringe Festival. Point this one out. It's called Jet Propulsion. It's for my masters, but it's the life of John Whiteside Parsons, one of the more interesting people in American history and a good slice of American weirdness. Rocket scientist and uh, four-star occultist of Aleister Crowley's church. What a great story to get into. But that'll be this summer at the Fringe Festival. Keep coming out. I'm plugging away more. I'm on Facebook and letting everybody know. So I'm planning on keeping doing this and keep an eye out for me. Awesome. Well, we're going to take a short break and then we'll come back for our second segment, which will be Theater Tales, Theater First. We'll be right back. 
Hi, my name is Diane Barker. I'm the Executive Director of Paul Mesner Puppets, and you are listening to Stage Savvy. And we're back. Theater Tales, Theater First. I guess we can go with the first time we met, Pete. And ah. we can then follow it up with the first time Jen and I met. Let's it see was, if we have the same story. I, ha- <laughs> I have I have Reckless as that, the first time we the met. Fir- that's the first time we worked together. And actually, that was kind of interesting because it was the it was been like five years since I'd acted at that point. And Marcia had called me in. Another actor had to drop out of the show, and she knew I was around. And and so she called me in to do that. And so I got to play a very non-typical role for me. <laughs> well, uh, Reckless is a non-typical play. And, but it was fun because I got to spend most of it in a Santa Claus suit, dead drunk, falling off of things. And I think she had me fall off of like, tw- I, t- I ended like eight scenes falling off of things. So uh, it was it was fun. I get right back into it. I love Pratt Falls. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was my, I want to say my junior, well, it's hard to say junior or senior because I graduated actually in the middle of my senior year. Mm-hmm. I only attended three and a half years, but I want to say it was in the middle of my junior year. I still was trying to uh, figure out who I was as an actor, was you a bunch played, of mini parts. You played a bunch of mini parts. You particularly played one of the, the main psychiatrists. Yes, yes, with my really, end. really bad German accent. <laughs> which, with a name like Fiedler, you'd think I'd be able to do a better German accent. <laughs> you know, I've heard tons of bad accents. You know, who's got a great one? <laughs> but, uh, yes, one of the many roles where I had someone try to kill me on stage. Yes. Was it me? No. No, it was uh, Big Jim. I forget his last yeah, name. He, yeah. he was the shooter who... Uh, during the middle, but it wasn't the psychiatrist. It was the other. It was the talk show host that I was doing a very Kathy Lee Gifford right. type esque character and talking about how wonderful thing is. And he comes in the middle of the show and shoots me, and I get carried out. What was your very first show? Or do you mind just taking the very first here? show at <laughs> Park or very first show overall? Oh, very first show overall. Let's let's go with that one. Let's That's a tough one to to yeah. come up with because I was a preacher's kid and very heavily involved in church and so did uh-huh. a lot of the the Christmas shows I am too. Yes. Um, yep. when I was young. The first one I remember in terms of school was one about Ichabod Crane <laughs> back, I want to say, in fifth grade. The one I remember the clearest, though, was in, I want to say, sixth grade. It was a very melodrama. I was one of the two bankers that uh, wanted to close the toy shop down. Oh. <laughs> she typecast Evil. back then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, um, yeah, that's the one that uh, the one that kind of made me realize this is one uh, something, you know, I, I, I was cast in a lot of those earlier ones because I have a voice that the grandma in the back row could understand and, and stuff like that. The one that made me realize this is something I wanted to do with, you know, as part of my ongoing life was Comedy of Errors, uh-huh. my uh, junior year of college or of high school. What did you play in that? Um, I was uh, Balthazar and Dr. Pinch. Okay. And I came away from that just going, I, this has got to be a part of my life for the... For well, that is, that is the thing, because there there's, there's a first show that you were in, and then there's the first show that you realized what it was. Uh, my first show that I was in, you know, aside from little skits and stuff, church, I'm a PK too, that I was, uh, I was a sailor in HMS Pinafore in seventh grade. I was in a seventh through twelve, very good drama teacher. First show that I actually played a character in when I realized I was playing a character was ninth grade we've always lived in the castle and I played the ancient senile uncle Julian so typecasting yeah typecasting (laughs) (laughs) and and you said but that's the thing is that you get those those first times that you go you know it's it's the changes that you figure out and you you suddenly realize what's going on 
Well, speaking of comedy of errors, that's actually how Jen and I met. Uh, when I directed, we met Jen. Yeah, I directed yes. Jen in Comedy of Errors for the Alcott Arts Center two summers ago, and she auditioned. She got to play one of my Dromeos, one of her many, many male roles. Last yes. last mm-hmm. month's podcast, we talked about how both she and I, for obvious reasons, uh, have played a lot of male characters in our lives. Well, uh, did the, did you tell them about you and your husband uh, switching genders? Yes, and, yes, we did. And Ten Little Indians. <laughs> yes, so Jen, your first time... Uh, on sta- first time on stage and first time that made you realize this is something you wanted to do? Well, you know, again, I was one of those church kids, so I, I did every church musical, every <laughs> Christmas musical. Hey, you know, say what you will about church, but you can find a lot of talents there, whether it's music or acting or what will you. Actually, it was a church production that I, I first realized that this is what I wanted to do forever and ever and ever. I was in fifth grade, and I was one of those quiet kids that, okay, well, it's nice to do the production, so why don't you stand in the back, because you're tall. So they finally gave me a part, and I blew everyone away, and I realized, hey, I can entertain, I can talk, I can have, you know, mm-hmm. do something, and this is a lot of fun. Well, that, and that is kind of like crack, isn't it? It <laughs> is. You get that first taste of, you know, that entertainment value, so you just keep going forward, and... At that point, I signed up to do drama in sixth grade and did school stuff ever since. Well, I have to ask, since we are, we all did kind of start out with a religion, um, the religion at the time of that production. I, Lutheran, ELCA. Uh, Methodist. United Baptist. 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 Oh. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Southern what? Baptist? No. Yeah, Southern, yes. Southern Baptist. Wow. Baptist. All right. I didn't From think Texas. Southern Baptist did play. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Depends on which church. They don't dance. Sorry. (laughs) We have movements. (laughs) So um, I'm trying to think of other firsts. Any of you have a first kiss on stage? Well, do you have one? Oh. I never kissed on stage. Oh, I've done a couple. I don't think I did... It's a rare, it's a rarity for me too, because I'm a character actor. It's well, it's a rarity for me too. But I actually put in a kiss. We did. You can't take it with you. I was ah. Gay Wellington, the drunk. Yes, and that would be a good place to do that. Exactly. Uh-huh. There actually isn't a kiss for that character, but I went over and plastered one on one of the characters as I walked out the door uh, while I was singing away, and it was just inspired, and I got a laugh, so I just kept kissing people. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, my first kiss, it was very, very rare because, again, I'm a character actor. I never did any of those things. I think all three parts. of us are character actors. And uh, let's see, I, I did play Jim, the gentleman caller, in another fluke role while I was in high school. So I, I think that was my actual first stage kiss, was kissing Laura at the end of that. And that's a real big kiss, but that was not a good production. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to ask Rich, I know he had a stage kiss, technically speaking, playing. Uh, Bobby's parents in the play where he he and Rebecca, I'm lost. <laughs> I forget her name. I'll I'll put it in later. Um, played the parents of a suicide and they they kissed in grief. Yes. So it wasn't a romantic kiss, but it was a kiss. And and Rebecca, whatever her name is, she was in CSA. <laughs> but anyway, uh, she said that that was her first stage kiss. And so Rich and I have uh, all had this ongoing joke that she's his uh, he's his uh, her other husband. And in yeah. fact, when her birthday came up on Facebook, I said, happy birthday to my husband's other wife. <laughs> um, I've got a first I'm going to ask you guys about because it kind of came up earlier. Uh, what was the first one where you 
say, took the reins yourself? Because when you're starting out, you have directors and they tell you what to do. I don't know. It might have been for both of you that the first show you just decided what you were going to do and do it. But what's the first time you realized, you know, actually I'm contributing this? Because once you hit that point, you suddenly do it all by yourself, you know, and, and you just sort of listen to the director. Or try not to ignore the director. Uh, but, uh, you know, what, what was the first one where you took the reins, where you acted, where you said, I'm, I'm doing this? Well, I'll say there's two different ways to approach that. There's, uh-huh. there's those first shows where I figured out I can make my own choices and yeah. do my own thing. And when you do bit parts as a character role actor, you have to figure out something to make it interesting. And you always want to try to do something so everyone notices you, whether you start stealing, you know, set yeah. pieces in the background to see who <laughs> notices or what have you. I've been doing that since high school. Yeah. But the first show where I really felt like I went to the next level, really made true choices, really concentrated and focused on the material to take it to that transcendence period yeah. and, and anyone who's who's done that knows exactly what yes, I'm talking about right. I did Rocket Man in college uh-huh. and it's, it's an amazing show if you ever have the opportunity to read it by Stephen Dietz and I played Rita in that show and that was the first time I went to that transcendence level where it was beyond just okay I'm going to choose to do this, I'm going to choose to do that with yeah. my character, it was the character truly shows. becoming that character. Yeah, exactly. That the, char- the character took the reins exactly. and, and ran off with it. Exactly. And I'm trying to think of that the first because it came in bit by bit for me. Yeah, I mean, I really don't have much of a story because I was always too scared to do anything outside of what the director told me. I was never very sure of myself as an actor. I do have one play that I don't want to say too much about it, that it was the actors pretty much took on directing themselves See, but that's because the director just wasn't that good of a director, and I'm, I'm going to refuse to name it just because to, I don't want to be mean. But that was one of the few times where I just we started just working together and started coming up with, okay, this is what we need to do next. Right, and, and that happens more often than people think. Not, not to slam directors, because I've worked with very good ones. My first time was because I went from a great director to a very mediocre one. And I had done all my... Because, you know, in high school, you had the same person directing you time and time again. And I went to a different school for my 10th grade year, and they really didn't have a theater department. The guy there was nice, loved him, but he didn't do anything we did. You can't take it with you. And I played Mr. Depinna, which is not the most defined of roles, and I just suddenly realized that I was going to make all this work if it was going to happen. And it worked very well. So, you know, I just came up with a bit of business where I, he asked you to hand out the business cards if you've done the show. Yep. And so I just did it to everyone on stage. And it just got bigger and bigger laughs. So, But after that point, you become in charge. And now it's the point your director tells you to stop. <laughs> okay, well, speaking of stopping, <laughs> let's take a short break and then we're going to end this month's podcast and we'll go from there. We'll be right back. You've been listening to Stage Savvy in affiliation with Casey Stage Magazine. Casey Stage, the best thing to hit theater since Spike Tape. Thank you for listening to episode three of Stage Savvy, hosted by Angie Fiedler Sutton and Jen Morris. And with our special guest star, Peter Bakley. <laughs> We hope you enjoyed it and would love to hear your feedback. You can send us comments in several ways. You can comment on the blog posting for this podcast over at angiefsutton.wordpress.com, which is also where you'll find the show notes for this podcast, including links to some of the things we may have talked about in the episode. You can also email afeedler, A-F as in food, I-E, D as in dog, L-E-R, at caseystage.com. If you'd like to comment... uh, 
Or if you'd like your comment to be on the podcast, you can leave us a voicemail at 816-23-STAGE. Please indicate you're calling about the podcast, as this is also the regular phone number for KC Stage Magazine. We'd like to thank KKFI 90.1 for letting us record this podcast in our lovely studios, as well as Jason Bauer, who wrote the great theme music, a variation of I Got Rhythm. Any other special thanks, Pete or Jen? Just everybody who's been working with me since I got back into it. Thank you. It has been wonderful. Since this is an audio podcast, we're ending each podcast with a song, usually written and or performed by a local musician. If you're a musician and would like us to highlight something you've written, just send us a note. Again, either by email, afeedler at kcstage.com, or by calling 816-23-STAGE and mentioning the podcast. This month is from... Prior KC Stage contributor Ry Kincaid. He's also done several plays. He did for the Birds for the Fringe uh, Edinburgh uh, for the Fringe Festival this past summer. It was actually one of my two top overall favorite shows of last year in my personal year in review. But his show, it, his song is "Let's Go Take a Walk, But Not Naked." You can find him on his website <laughs> rykincaid.com. I will also link that on the podcast. But if, without further ado, let's go take a walk, but not naked. Baby, put your clothes on It's no good being a nude all day Your daddy wouldn't be the man who stands before you If he thought that being naked was okay Let's go take a walk Let's go pet the dog Let's go make a meal Let's go tickle mom Let's go take a bath where it's okay to be naked. Baby, put your clothes on. It's no good being a nude all day. Your daddy wouldn't be the man who stands before you if he thought that being naked was okay. Let's go read a book. Let's go start the car. Let's go beat an egg. Let's go dance a kick. Let's go wash our clothes very quickly. Cause you're naked. Baby, put your clothes on. It's no good being a nude all day. Your daddy wouldn't be the man who stands before you. If it thought that being naked was okay Baby, put your clothes on It's no good being a nude all day Your daddy wouldn't be the man who stands before you If it thought that being naked was okay Baby, put your clothes on It's no good being a nude all day Your daddy wouldn't be the man who stands before you If it thought that being naked was okay Stage Savvy is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Share-Alike License. For more information, visit creativecommons.org.